morning church. It's great to have you worshiping with us this morning. As you're watching, as you know, uh, many of us are gathered in the church building where, our, where we're recording right now. And uh, we just are prayerful this morning. And we will pray in a moment that as we worship in person, as you worship from a distance, uh, that God ministers to your heart in a very special, uh, special way. We'll open up the word in just a moment and receive God's blessing for us. But before we do, I just want to let you know of a couple of things. Uh, number one, if you weren't already made aware of this because of the business meeting that happened on Wednesday, uh, starting on July 5th, okay, July 5th, our, our, uh, our kind of practices week by week will go back to somewhat normal in that we're going to be meeting in the sanctuary on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Now, all other activities are still going to be on pause and suspended, but at least the sanctuary-related activities will be resumed starting on July the 5th, okay? Uh, another thing that I wanted to make sure that we were mindful of is that, uh, obviously, we're in a transitional period as a church, and the church will look different in the weeks to come. Uh, continue to be prayerful. Certainly, we should already be prayerful for, for our church and for what God is doing in the life of our church, but as, as certainly spring no changes in the weeks to come, Make a very concerted effort uh, for you as an individual, but also for your family, to pray for uh, Springville. Pray that God would minister to our church in a very special way and continue to, to use this body of believers for His name's sake. Uh, obviously, we're used to a lot of confusion and, and things being unusual, and that's been like that for a few months, but uh, it looks like that there's more of that to come. And so we want to trust the sovereign care of God and certainly be people of prayer during this new season of life. So let's start in that way. Let's go to the Lord and thank Him for a morning that we get to worship together and ask that He would really impress on our hearts His Word this morning. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for drawing us near to yourself by the blood of Jesus and restoring intimacy and fellowship with you because of the good news of the gospel. Now you draw us near again. You've already done so in the person of Jesus, and yet you do it now, and that we get to come before you as a worshipful body of people. And I pray, Lord, that whether we are in a sanctuary church building or we're in our living rooms or wherever we may be, that we would be vessels and people created for the purpose of worship that practice that very purpose this morning. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word that we get to huddle around and soak in its good news. I pray, Lord, that you would give us open and willing hearts to be sharpened by your good news. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.
you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and open to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 9, and we'll begin to read here in just a few moments. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. You know, if you've been plugged in and, and aware of anything going on in the world the last uh, few weeks, it's no secret that our society is currently far from peaceful. Uh, there are riots in many streets across our country. There's destruction. There's even calls for defunding of city law enforcement uh, entities. There's ripping down of statues. Even in the last few days, I don't know if you've been made aware of this, but in the city of Seattle, which is a very large city, uh, there's a few blocks that have been blocked off and been, in their words, reclaimed by the people of Seattle. They called it a Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, short CHAZ. That it's a police-free haven of self-expression. Again, that's a quote, a police-free peace haven of self-expression. And the irony is that without policing, that haven will be not peaceful for much longer. And then, of course, we should remember the COVID-19 pandemic that is still, uh, we're engaging. I mean, case numbers, by the way, have peaked in Alabama and Mississippi this week. And so all that to say, we live in a time, in our culture, in our society, that is far from peaceful. The reason I open with that is to say this, that today it is vital that we as God's people be reminded that no matter what happens around us, in Christ we have already obtained permanent peace and are daily able to maintain that peace. Folks, our God is a God of peace and we have the peace of God and we have the God of peace within us. And so I want to huddle around that mentality this morning and talk about the peace that we have because of the work of Jesus. So let's look at it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. This is what Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things which you've learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you Paul as you probably know wrote several letters to a lot of deeply divided and deeply corrupt churches but Philippi was not one of them this was a healthy church and if you read the book of Philippians from beginning to end you sort of pick up on that that it doesn't echo and, and mimic the tone of a lot of Paul's letters that are also found in the New Testament. Many of the people don't know this, but this was the first church that was planted by Paul in Europe. It's a preventative letter. It's written, and, and, and the tone behind it is to remain unified with humility and joy. And so kind of interwoven in the middle of this letter is sort of an expectation that Paul is implying, look, trials will come. Divisions will come and problems will arise. And he gives them this persuasive argument to simply say, maintain humility and joy and unity with one another. Peace, because trials are coming. 
And because of that, and with that in mind, that's what I've titled my message today, and that is Obtaining and Maintaining Peace. And we really see this sort of expressed with three different expressions within the passage. We're going to look at all three of them. The first one is the longest that I have kind of written down for taking notes, and that is joy is a result of peace with God rather than circumstances. The joy, and emphasizing the word joy there, is a result of peace with God rather than circumstances. I almost made this message only two parts, but the first verse really that we're looking at, verse 4, and we're also going to combine with it verse 5. Verse 4, though, is really the foundation of this passage. It really anchors down what Paul is getting at. Paul's writing about the importance of combating and keeping in check anxieties, worries, stresses, things that frustrate our inner parts. That's what he's getting at here. He's writing and, and talking about keeping those things in check, and he does so by starting with this verse in verse 4. We'll look at it again. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, the word that he says here for rejoice, you know, it just says to us, rejoice, be joyful, right? Be filled with joy. But in, in their language, this is sort of a word of farewell. What I compare this uh, kind of most commonly in our day would be like when you say to somebody, have a good day. Well, you could tell someone to have a good day, but really what that means is it's sort of a goodbye. It's sort of a farewell. All right, have a good day. But you could take that term, that phrase in isolation and say, okay, they're telling me to have a good day. Well, you could stay with me and still say that. But what Paul is doing here is using that the way that we would. He's saying rejoice. As I end this letter, be people filled with joy. Go and be full of joy today. Now, he contrasts, he contrasts with these verses immediately what precedes them. All right, so remember, he's saying rejoice in the Lord always. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Look at what he says right before this in verses 2 and 3. He says, I entreat Euodia, okay, that's a person, so it's a woman, and I entreat Sintich to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, we're not going to dive too deep on what Paul is talking about here, but I'm just going to summarize that what's happening is that there's, there's these two women, and these women are at odds with one another. They're harming their relationship with each other, and they're even probably causing division within the body and within the church's mission. And so Paul identifies this as an issue and gives them an instruction in order to address it. He says, essentially, believers, verse 5, must be reasonable. Your translation may see gentle or gentleness or be moderate, moderateness. Now, the reason that, that word is sort of translated differently is because it's really just a confusing word to translate. But it's simplified by one theologian who says this, that it means meekness under provocation, readiness to forgive hurt, fairness in conducting business, honest openness in responding to the actions of others, gentleness of disposition, and self-control with passions. Reasonableness, gentleness, moderation. That's kind of what the heart of this passage is. But what Paul is saying, and sort of, I'll just paraphrase it in my own way, is what he's telling these people is, rediscover the eternal joy, rejoice, the eternal joy that unites you, not the temporal conflicts that divide you. 
So while he talks about the word rejoice, I'm going to argue here that there is an equally, if not more, important word that Paul has thrown in for us to see. And that is the word always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. If you're the type of person that likes to underline things in your Bible, that word always is very important. Of course, rejoice and be joyful when things happen in your life to stimulate happiness. Everyone does that. But Paul frames this in the context of two women who want nothing to do with one another and have broken fellowship. Oh, and by the way, Paul, who is writing from a Roman prison, rejoice always. I mean, consider this and gain some perspective here. How can Philippi be a people of joy when their circumstances may not warrant it? Because of this. Because joy isn't a matter of mood or emotions or circumstances. We don't obtain it by a good day at work, so we don't lose it from a bad day at work. The joy of God's people is tied to the fact that your sin nor your circumstances can remove from you your blood-bought, favorable standing that you possess with God in Christ Jesus. You were once his enemy, an enmity with God. Now you are seated at his table. And isn't that the good news of the gospel? I've been doing some baptismal counseling this week. And that's the theme that we always come back to when we talk about that word gospel, good news. Because we have to understand there's bad news that precedes it. That we stand in conflict as sinners with a holy God. But because God sent his son Jesus, who died on the cross for you and substituted himself for your death payment sentence for sin, we may be alive as he, Jesus, is alive. That's good news. That is good news. Once at enmity with God, now through Jesus' intimacy with God. And so back to joy. Joy is a result of peace with God, not peace with circumstances. Your mood will naturally fluctuate, but lay your head on your pillow each night reminding yourself that the same joy that filled Paul in prison fills you no matter the circumstances and the situations that you are facing daily. And I know that life can be hard, but God has reserved for you a place in eternity with him if you're in Christ Jesus. Joy is a result of peace with God rather than peace with circumstances. Now, knowing where peace is found and where it isn't found, Paul then turns to the opposite of inner peace, which is inner anxiety. This is where we go next, and this is the second expression of obtaining and maintaining peace, and that is number two, prayer is our lifeline. Prayer is our lifeline. Now we're going to bite something off from the end of verse five. Right? In verse five, he said, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, but at the very end of verse five, he says something very important. He says, the Lord is at what that means is that Christ is not sitting on his hands. He is coming, and he currently governs the cosmos. And so Paul's point here, which he's going to say in verse 6, we'll read in just a moment, is don't worry. Don't be given over to anxiety. Look at verse 6. 
It says, the Lord is at hand. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. We're going to come back to those words. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We'll stop there for just a moment. Here's the point, folks. If God governs things as small as your morning commute to work and as vast as the sun and the moon and the stars, and if he is good, and he certainly is, and if all things work together for the good of those that are lovers of Jesus, that are called according to the purposes of Jesus, then can you not consciously decide each morning to give your worries and give your stresses to God? Anxiety is a manifestation of disbelief. It's pride. Because it places the burden of control on ourselves when it doesn't belong to us. And so he talks about prayer. Communion with God. Prayer, our lifeline. God didn't give us prayer just so that we could cast our voices on him. He wants you to cast your anxieties on him. Prayer is more than talking to God. It is intimate dependency on God. He even says the words, pray in everything. Look, there are no matters too small for God's radar. Isn't that great news? There are no matters too small for God's radar. You think about officials in our country, or even big CEOs, or people that are kind of in control of decision making. Our president, for example. The president is concerned with COVID-19 response and national debt and the riots in the streets or whatever, you fill in the blank there. He's not concerned with your root canal and your stomach virus. But listen, God ministers to the needs of his people on the grand scale, but equally as important, he does it on the small, intimate, individual scale. God doesn't delegate away your problems. He receives them upon himself. And ministers to your needs. And that's important because the power and the comfort of prayer hinge on the sovereign control of God. I'll put it this way. If we are alone and left to control our own circumstances, we have every reason to be full of anxiety, full of stress, full of worry. Don't you know that a life of atheism it's scary. It's scary. Because you have every reason. If God doesn't exist, you have every reason to shoulder a heavy load each and every day. A burdensome, worrisome, full of anxiety load every day. But that is not the case. Because God is sovereign, because He's in control, we are not. We can replace anxiety with expectant and grateful prayer, knowing He's in control with thanksgiving. And the result of that is this in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now that word guard is very important in this passage. It's the word that you would use for sort of a, a military defense, a citadel, maybe a place upon a hill that is in a prime defensive position, which is pertinent because Paul is using a cultural example here for the people of Philippi. The nation or the, or the province of Philippi was the site of a key military victor by Caesar Augustus, and 
As a result, it was declared a Roman colony, ensuring it immunity from taxation and drawing many veterans to settle there. Now, that last part's important. Many veterans to settle there. And so you got to think that some of the people that are hearing and reading this letter are people that have some sort of a military background. And so for Paul to talk about garden, like a, like a fortress, like a citadel, he's using a pertinent example to say, listen, prayer is more than just time with God. It is wrapping yourself in the citadel of his protection. It's more than just chatting with the, the Creator, right? This is wrapping yourself in the protection of the Creator. Why is this important? Because many of you struggle with a pattern of specific sin that you, 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 you it drives you nuts, right? You have anxiety over it, you have stress over it, turmoil over it, because you cannot seem to kick it, and yet you willingly have a terrible prayer life. It stinks. And you wonder why day by day you struggle and you're full of anxiety and you're full of burden and you can't make gains against patterns of sin in your life. Prayer is wrapping yourself in the protection and the defense of our God. Losing your grip on killing sin is very often a direct result of losing your grip on constant prayer. And I'm not saying you, you won't be, okay? You will not be sinless, but God is your refuge and strength. He is a very present help in time of need. So just hear me say this. Take refuge in the citadel of God's protection in prayer. And let's just consider the current climate of our church here. Springville, you may find yourself anxious and worrisome about the direction and future of this body of believers. But I need to say this, please hear this. The search for a pastor doesn't begin in stacks of resumes and a search committee sitting around a table. It begins with the entire church on its knees. You don't have to be sitting in the meeting room going through the names and the resumes. You can be a part of the, the, the forward progress of this church by dropping to your knees and praying to the only one who's really in control. Prayer wasn't given so you could access conversation with God at your convenience. It was given that you could run to your sovereign safeguard, casting your worries, casting your fears, and casting your anxieties on Him. Obtaining and maintaining peace. The third and final expression that I want to look at of this is remembering is our defense. It's an art, it's a, it's a discipline. Remembering is our defense. Recently, I was in a situation where I was struggling. I was giving in to worry and giving in to anxiety. That's something that I struggle with already. Had a hard time sleeping because this thing was just kind of really getting to me. And upon God, of course, seeing me through that episode, I told myself something and I wrote one word down for the next time that I gave in to worry, next time that I gave in to my trials and worrying about my trials. And this was the word, remember. Remember. So much of peace is found in remembering. And I believe that this is what's at the heart of what Paul says next. Look at verses 8 and 9. 
Finally, okay, remember it was the end of the letter. He's talking to his dear brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, notice that word, think about these things. Mentally, dwell on these things. Verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Think and practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul and the elders, the pastors at Philippi, had ministered and instructed the church regarding following Jesus day in and day out. We see this long list of things that Paul kind of unfolds in verse 8. I'm not going to talk about each one of those things one by one, but the message is very clear. Follow Jesus and do things that are exemplary of a follower of Jesus. And so remember, Paul, the church planter, the person who planted this church, ministered to the lives of these people. What he's saying is, think about these things that you learned, these things that you heard, these things that you saw me say. And then he says, then practice these things that you learned from me, that you heard from me, that you saw me do. Remember them. Think about them. Call to mind those things and go and mentally dwell on them and physically go and practice them. I think there's a great principle for us built into this passage. There's other things that you can see here, but I want to target one of them. And that is to remember God's past faithfulness to trust in His present care. Remember God's past faithfulness to trust in His present care. I'll put it this way. You don't have to wonder and, and hope that God will take care of His church. Remember His track record. God has been taking care of His church for literally thousands of years. He cares for his church. He cares for his bride. I said this two weeks ago, and that is that as much as I love Spring Hill and you love Spring Hill, God loves her more. He loves this church more than we do, and he will care for his church. You enter into a season of difficulty and uncertainty, but God has promised, we see it in this passage, that by regularly dwelling on the content of what we've studied in his word, he will grant you peace, which is what he says, right? If you think on these things and practice these things that we've studied, that we've talked about, the Bible, that we have talked about godliness, then the God of peace will be with you. Church, mentally dwell on what we have seen in God's Word. We've seen beautiful things in the last four years. We looked at Galatians and we saw that we are justified, made right before God, declared righteous before God by grace through faith, not of our works. We've seen that we are to be filled by the fruit of the Spirit of God. We saw in Jonah that we cannot hide from God, and what He wishes to accomplish through us will come to pass. Why not just go ahead and submit to His will without delay and go be obedient? We saw in 1 Corinthians that genuine Christian love is the answer to divisions amongst believers. That we are to love one another, to, to assume the best in one another, and show grace when we are wronged by one another. We saw in Ecclesiastes that meaning is not found in this life, but rather in the maker of this life. We saw that we need to keep the main thing, the main thing, and not get so caught up 
with the whirlwind of consumerism and the like. We saw in the book of John that Jesus is alive and that though you may die, yet you shall live. And certainly it means that we should live, not for this life, but for the life that is to come. And then we saw in Ruth that we're to trust in the sovereign plan of God despite the chaos of the trials that we face, that obedience is what we are to pursue, even if it means sacrificing. And though it may seem like our circumstances are falling apart, we trust the Lord because His sovereign plan is what is best for us. Church, dwell on these things. Remember these things. And the God of peace will quench your anxieties and your worries and your stresses. We find joy, not in this life, but in Christ. We depend on God daily in prayer. Not that prayer is just a conversation. It is active dependence on God. And we remember what He has done. We trust and we thank Him for what He will do next. As we wrap this up, I think that this is a, a staunch reminder and a good word of application for us that Paul is writing in a time when things were far from peaceful. There is no peace that will be had perfectly in this life. But we have obtained a peace that points forward to the Prince of Peace that will permanently bring peace. And so church, as we conclude today, be reminded of your joy that you have in Jesus. Be reminded of the lifeline and the safeguard that you have in prayer. And be reminded as we remember that remembering is our great defense against the trials of this life. Let's pray together and thank God for these things. Father, Lord, we thank you that our joy is not a roller coaster of unpredictability, but is a fixed and firm destiny that you have purchased for us in the name of Jesus. We thank you that even now as we pray, this is not lip service, this is not just something that we do because it's a religious expression of what we have in you. We do this because we are expressing our utter dependence on the sovereign control of the Most High God. Lord, you are our lifeline, and we rest permanently in your work. And finally, Lord, I pray that when we face inevitable trials and worries and concerns, that you would call to mind what we have studied in your word, that you would keep us firmly rooted in your word, and Lord, that you would uplift us with the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, before we close, I just want to remind you uh, that our services will be starting back Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, starting on July the 5th, okay? Uh, continue to be in prayer for our body. Certainly pray for the search committee as they begin to meet. Um, and then uh, finally, remember that there's discussion questions at the end of this video that you can discuss with those under your roof and have uh, conversations and things. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus and be of encouragement to one another this week. I hope you guys have a great week and I love you. I'll see you next time.